so much for sharing your story with us today and giving them just some practical tips on how you and I can be ministers of the gospel with whatever it is that we're stewarding. Because of all the resilient discipleship series that we have done this ministry year, uh, that we have listened, loved, and led through, uh, this one is the most tricky. And it's the most tricky for you and I to discern all by ourselves. So yes, we need the Holy Spirit, but like Glenn just said, sometimes we need other followers of Jesus to speak the truth in love to us. And that is absolutely important. We don't just need your opinion. Sometimes we need the truth spoken to us that we can't see, but we need it spoken in love. Because what we want to talk about over the next month is countercultural mission is each Christ follower. So it's every single one of us. It's each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from cultural norms. And so let me pause here. here. Here's the question. How do you know which power you're living in and pulling from? Just because it feels right doesn't mean it necessarily is right. Just because it feels powerful doesn't necessarily mean it's the power of the Holy Spirit. There are plenty of inferior powers that make you feel strong but actually make you weak. And what do we mean by different? That's important. One of the problems and one of the critiques of the world is essentially this. I understand the difference that you as Christians are saying, but when we actually dig a little bit deeper, you divide and criticize identical as the world. So though, yes, it's different, it's not actually fundamentally different. Right now, on my possession, I have two watches. Both have sentimental value. One was given to me by my parents. It's on my wrist here, it's an Apple watch. And the other is in my pocket, and it was my grandfather's, and it's a pocket watch. It's an amazing pocket watch. Now, on my Apple watch, it says it's 1125. And on my pocket watch, when I wind it, <laughs> it says, that it is 1125. Now on the surface, these watches could not be more different. Fundamentally different in every way. However, what they share is they're both watches. If watches were banned, it does not matter how different they are on the surface, even on the inside. They're essentially watches. They do the same thing, though they are different. They both tell time in a chronological fashion moving forward. Now, countercultural is not just surface differences, nor is it just different mechanisms, like we do different things. No, no, no. Countercultural would be like one of these watches spinning backwards in time, turn the person inside to say, back to the future. In other words, it's like if you, another analogy would be if you took a drill, how many of you have ever operated a drill? And someone who said to you said, turn it counterclockwise. And you just went, you know, okay, and you just kept jamming it, and you stripped the screw. Because you were kept, you, more power in the same direction is not necessarily helpful. Sometimes what is required is a different and a deeper, different way to move opposite. And this is what countercultural is. Countercultural is not just a different way to do the same thing, it is living from an opposite spirit. And to get this, we need to plant our feet on a dirt road which leads to a decision gate. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 7, verses 13 to 14. He said, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy. That leads to what? That leads to? Destruction. destruction. The gate is wide and it's easy that leads to destruction. And, there are, and those who enter it by it are many. 
for the gate is narrow. And watch this. The way is hard that leads to life. Pause. Everything in life that is hard doesn't necessarily mean it is Jesus' way to live life. Many Christians say this went wrong. Well, if I'm experiencing opposition, I must be going the right way. You could also just be in love a moron. <laughs> I'm not calling you a moron. I'm saying you're making, like, it's, it's, it's not just that you're experiencing opposition that it's like, wow. Like, I've experienced opposition in every sphere of my life, and when I've reflected on it, it was me that was the problem, not everybody else. Yes? So sometimes we experience things that are hard in life because of our own foolish decisions. This is not what Jesus is speaking of. Sometimes we experience hard things in life as a result of other people's decisions. This is not what Jesus is speaking of. And sometimes we experience things in life that are hard because life is lost and it's broken and it's fallen. This too is not what Jesus is speaking of. What Jesus was speaking of, in the midst of all of those things, there is an invitation to follow Jesus. And if we follow Jesus, which is a singular direction, you and I, can experience a more difficult way to live in the world, but actually it leads to the abundant life that we most desire. This is what Jesus was saying. And there is a way in which Jesus leads that you can see again and again and again. In late December, while spending time with the Lord, I was reading a devotional and I came across this quote from R.C. Sproul, which summarizes this wide versus narrow gate. I want you to think about a wide gate that is fully populated, and now I want you to think about a narrow gate that is sparsely populated. Here's what he said. He said, our ears are assaulted daily by a concophony of sounds, making distinguishing between a bona fide call and senseless noise difficult. Wide gates are easy to get through but when you get through them, they become very difficult to discern whose voice do I follow because they are populated with nothing but opinions, perspectives, and worldviews. Narrow gates are hard to go through, but they filter out a lot of those voices so that you can hear the most important voice which you and I are called to follow. And then he goes on to say, and he gives examples, how impoverished it would be if Jonah had made it to Tarshish, if Paul had refused to preach, if Jeremiah had really turned in his prophet's card, or if Jesus had politely declined in Gethsemane the cup. Think about it. What will be the tab of spiritual losses if you do not respond to God's call? But everything about you responding to God's call, number one, is hearing it clearly. Moms and dads who dedicated kids, you are the primary influence over those kids. What will be the tab of spiritual loss if you say yes to salvation, but no to growing up to be more like Jesus? Life group leaders, supervisors, real estate agents, whatever title it is that you wear, 
for the church of Jesus to arise to its full maturity. It is not merely the pastors who need to be mature. It's all of us saying yes to the call of God to be ministers of the gospel, to hear what it is that Jesus has for us, and to not be satisfied with being superficially different from the world, but being deeper different of a different substance, living counterculturally. Again, one of the accurate critiques of the world to the church is precisely this. It isn't that your perspective is wrong, but your spirit seems off. Here's what I know in relationships. I have been dead right in giving feedback to Lori and my kids but my motives were entirely wrong. And when my motives are entirely wrong, you know what is in the room? Not my perspective. They are noisier than what it is that I'm saying. And watch, we're gonna get into it here in a story. There's a gentleman in the Bible that we've looked at a few times and his name is Moses. And in the desert, God introduces himself to Moses. Because if you know anything about Moses, here's what you need to know. This is both a story of the Old Testament, it's Child Dedication Sunday. (laughs) I love it. By the way, kids making a joyful noise in the house of the Lord with moms and dads who have to sometimes walk out when they make too much of a joyful noise unto the Lord. We've lived through a pandemic where no voices were allowed in the room. It is a sweet sound in the house of the Lord. And and one more thing on that end. When we're in church and maybe the nursery's full and so there's a mom or dad and their kids being a kid, don't look over at them in judgment. Here's why. Because they got dressed, they got that kid to church, and there they are. And their kids just being a kid. They're just being a kid. It's all good. But mom and dad, if your kid's being way too much of a kid, then, then you can make it, you can like, the foyer's your place. But other than that, it's all good. But here's all I know Moses, if you know his story, he is born Jewish, he's Hebrew. But as a baby, he is placed in a basket, and he is raised Egyptian. So he has a really confused identity, hear me. He's Hebrew, but he's been raised Egyptian. And so his identity is quite confused. There are going to be people who become followers of Jesus whose identity is quite confused. Will we be a church that is gracious like God to let people grow into who he has created them to be? So here we see Moses, he is confused. And one day, everyone say one day. He is Hebrew by birth, but he is Egyptian by culture. And one day, He sees something that shouldn't be. He sees an Egyptian treating a Hebrew as a slave. And there is no record of prayer. 
There is no record of asking the Lord what to do. There's no record that he even knows. So he responds as a cultural Egyptian in the way of Egypt with power. And in his own strength, he sees a wrong and he writes it in his own strength by striking the Egyptian, killing the Egyptian, who he, by the way, Moses knows this is wrong. So he buries him in the sand. We know he knows it's wrong because the next thing it says is not when he does what he does, but when he discovers that what he had did, what he did has been witnessed by others, he, when he hears it, is in fear knowing that he has done wrong because at this moment in time in Moses' life, he knows that Pharaoh is Lord over Egypt. And so rather than do anything else, he knows he is in trouble, and so he runs into the desert of Midian. Here's what I want you to know. When you begin to run from the things of this world, even though you may believe you are in a desert, you are always running into the purpose God has. And so here's now Moses on the backside of the desert of Midian for years as a herdsman learning to be a shepherd. Now I wonder what God is instilling in him before he meets Yahweh about his future purpose. Moses is going to herd a lot of people. But here he is in Midian. And God notices and in a moment he invites him into the countercultural school of dirty glory. In a moment, loved ones, hear me with both ears and your whole heart. What Moses sees in culture when he sees an Egyptian brutalizing a Hebrew, what he sees and how he sees it as wrong, absolutely correct. How he engages it is not from the spirit that God intends. Some of you can see the world and the way it needs to change but the motive of your heart is not love, it is something other, and so you and I are nothing but noisy gongs and clanging cymbals. We're adding to the noise of the world when we are actually called not to be superficially different, but to be counterculturally different. How will we change a world if we are under the surface of the exact same substance? How will we? Be a marked difference. And this message is not, you're not doing enough. In fact, you may be doing too much. This message is for you and I to look at our feet and to begin to say, am I willing to count the cost to make a Jesus-sized difference, to be a countercultural leader? When you are most unsure of who you are, I have a promise for you. God never forgets who he has created you to be. God never forgot whom he had created Moses to be. And one day, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he had led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horab, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it wasn't being consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Pause. To turn aside is to change direction. The same God of the New Testament, whose name is Jesus, is the same God of the Old Testament, whose name is Yahweh, one God. The same God who invites Moses to change his direction is the same Jesus, the same God who invites you and I to change our direction. Wide, Broadway, or narrow road.
When Moses saw, sorry, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush and he said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take off your, or take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The place where you meet God is different. It's set apart from every, on any other place in life. The place where you grow in your relationship with God is holy. It is set apart. The place where we as the saints of God on Sunday meet is holy. It's set apart. It is different from anything else. This is what we see. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Again, Moses at this point, his burden is correct, but now God is beginning to work at a deeper place in his life. His actions were unjust, Moses's, because he didn't know God. And knowing God always, always, always requires a change in our direction. I am meets Moses. I am is another name for God. Meets Moses in a defining place of direction. I am reveals his holiness to Moses, which is a defining difference between a wide and a narrow gate. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel, and if you wish to go to Israel, Pastors Barry and Joyce are taking 20 people in October and then more later in the spring. You can sign up at lifecenter.org if you've ever wanted to go or want information. But when I was there, when I was in Israel, (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) When I was in Israel, They showed us what a narrow gate or a narrow gate or a narrow door looks like. Now, it could have been like, here's the broad way to get into a city, kind of like, hey, you can come in the 416 or you can come in the back way. In one way, we can look at it that way. But here's what was unique about a narrow door. It was a door within a door. So in other words, in that time, here's what they would do when there was maybe low trust from the person on the other side of the door. They would open up the narrow gate so that all that could come through the narrow gate was the person, not their camel, their entourage, or all their stuff. They had to make a defining decision. Do I wanna go through that door and have the benefit of going through that door? Or do I want all my stuff with me? So here's what Jesus is saying. If you want to follow me, at some point I'm going to talk to you about your stuff. If you want to follow Jesus, at some point you can't just add Jesus onto everything else that you want in life. You don't just get to say, I'm a Christian and I sleep with whoever I want and I smoke what I want and I drink what I want and I say what I want because it's all grace. Heavens, no, you are not a Christian. You are a cultural one. 
Because at some point, or, hey, I'm a Christian, but I get to gossip, I get to judge everyone, I get to be holier than thou. No, 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 no. You may be saved in terms of trusting God with your salvation, but what the world is waking for is not only a church that lets Jesus be savior, but sanctifier helps us to be more like him. And this is the invitation from Jesus, and this, by the way, is the same invitation for Moses when God says, take off your sandals. Do you think Moses' sandals offended God? They're just sandals. No. What he was saying is where you and I meet, it's going to cost you something. Where you and I meet is fundamentally different. And where you and I meet is a place where you and I, as Jesus would later say, you do have to count the cost. It costs something to live counter-cultural. Watch this. When God meets Moses, when Yahweh meets Moses, when the great I am meets Moses, here's how narrow it gets, watch. The narrow is, the truth about who God is leads to the truth about who I am. This is narrow. Let me take you wide. The truth about self leads to who I define God to be. This is wide. When Jesus says he's the way, truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, man, this is a singular, small door that has no wiggle room. Think about all that's going to transpire in the life of Moses. The defining moment is the place where he turns aside, and it says the Lord sees that he turns aside. Aren't you glad that when Moses critically messed up, his purpose wasn't over? And Moses' burden and what he saw in culture wasn't wrong. It's his spirit that was. And God goes there in our hearts and lives as followers of Jesus. God begins to teach Moses how to live from a countercultural spirit different from the world in which he grew up in Egypt, which is different again for him in Egypt, for us, the spirit of our world. When you and I are wounded by others, the last thing we want to do is forgive. But when we turn to the direction of trusting Jesus and do the hard thing, which is forgiveness, you know what we experience on the other side of it? Life. When we stay on the broad road of bitterness, it leads always to destruction. When I take 100% of what God gives me and I return, I make a decision that I'm going to return 10% back to the Lord. Here's what I know when, I, when Lori and I began that journey in our life. Here's what I know. Before I made the decision to be generous, I would never have ever in my life, in fact, as a pastor, I have never had anybody confess to me the sin of greed. Never. But how many of you know that we got a greed problem in Canada, not a money problem? Now turn the person person beside you and say, he's not talking about you, just relax. But there's people in other churches, man, they need to hear this. You need to send them this message over the internet. You need to hear that. I would never have said I was a greedy person, but here's all I know. The moment I decided to become a tither, to return return 10%, God owns everything, entrust it to me, return 10% and trust him to do more of the 90, as Lori said, than I came to 10. The moment we decided to do that, all I could see is other things that I wanted to buy. But I'm not greedy. I'm just saying, 
Or here's what else happened. The moment I made a decision that I wanted to be a generous person is the moment my dishwasher breaks. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. At that point in time, this is a lot of money for Lori and I, we were making at the time, we were making combined $42,000 a year, and we had $5,000 worth of credit card debt. So the moment we wanted to engage this moment, because we made some dumb decisions, not the way we were raised up, but the way we went. <laughs> Here's what I want you to know. I would never have said it in these words. Here was the problem. Visa was Lord of my finances, not God. And Visa, here's what I have found out, they are a terrible taskmaster. I'm not kidding. I would never have used this language. So what I needed to learn is the same thing as Moses, that there is a God that is greater than Visa. Amen. And I wish I could tell you that the moment we decided to be tithers, you know what happened? We had a $5,000 check in the mail. I can't tell you that. You know what we had? Inch by inch getting ourselves out of debt. Yes. But here's what I know. Here's all I know. Here's all I know. I hated every bit of the journey. But God knew that a $5,000 check would actually be a detriment to what it is that he's desiring to do in my heart and life. I still prayed for it every day. <laughs> I named it and claimed it. But sometimes in the desert, you gotta learn to trust that there's a God that is greater than the God that he's trying to remove from your life. For Moses, it was learning that there's a God that is greater than Pharaoh. If you know anything about the story of, the, of Moses and Pharaoh, you know in the Bible it talks about that God sends 10 plagues, right? Those of you who are Bible scholars, you know this because you're brilliant. Some of, us, some of us are just catching on. Did you know that each of the plagues that were sent directly opposed an Egyptian god? So each way, what is God saying to Pharaoh and all of Egypt? There is a God that is greater than this. There is a God that is greater than this. There is a God that is greater than this. There is a God that is greater than this. There is a God that is greater than this. Loved ones, in Canada, let's talk about our gods. There is a God that is greater than success. There is a God that is greater than sex. There is a God that is greater than power. There is a God that is greater than addiction. There is a God that is greater than free speech. There is a God that is greater than our political differences. There is a God that is greater in all of these things. And here's the important part in saying all of that. Here's what's important for us to note is we cannot settle for just surface differences, but we're the same thing. We gotta let God do something deeper on the inside of us if we are to be a countercultural ministers or missionaries in the world in which we live. Every Child Dedication Sunday, I am floored by one thing. My and our obedient yes or no affects the future church that they walk into. And that is not just a me thing. That is an us thing and those of you who are watching online thing. How we, every problem facing the church of Jesus, I promise you, will be solved if all of us become more like Jesus. But this is narrow and hard. But it leads to the life that we want, pause, and it leads to the life that Canadians want. It does. I, am not, I, I cannot convince you of it. But I want to remind you of a greater calling and purpose. You are not the hero of the story, but you have a significant part to play. 
And the greatest gift you can live and lead from is that your feet are found on a narrow gate. Let me finish here. It is one thing like Moses to have the right burden and the wrong spirit, and in that place, God begins to move. And if you think it's any different in the New Testament, let me just show you an example. And by the way, what I'm talking about, what we're talking about today is a template that you can lay over story after story after story after story after story. Jesus meets with a guy named Zacchaeus. And as a result of it, a guy who is greedy becomes generous. Jesus meets with a rich young ruler who is greedy. And as a result of it, he walks away, though Jesus gives him the invitation to a narrow road. Is success the problem? No. If it is your God, it is the problem. If it's present, it's not the problem. If it's your God, that's a problem. Watch this. One day Jesus speaks to a group of Pharisees. (laughs) And watch this warning that the same God of the New Testament gives. It's a warning if we try to fix the world by inferior power. You are not gonna criticize anybody else into change. You can pray them into change, but you're not gonna criticize them into change. It's not how we change. Here's what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Uh, the, The correct translation of hypocrite is better this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, actors. You're playing the part of a Christian. You're playing the part of religious, but you're ignoring the weightier things of being a God follower. So woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, actors, for you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte, but when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much the son of hell as yourself. Golly. So we can settle for outward differences, just like this. And we can be comfortable, like I'm a digital watch that does more stuff, or I'm a pocket watch, but they're just watches. This is not the difference that Jesus is talking about. He is talking about not superficial difference. Like I go to church and my unbelieving friend doesn't. That's a defining difference. What did David in Psalm 51 say when he blew his life apart? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. The problem isn't up here, it's here. And cast me not from your presence, because if you do, this will never be changed. But Jesus promised, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I'm always with you, but you have to accept my invitation to live countercultural. So we can settle for outward differences just like the two watches when the invitation from Jesus is to allow a deeper work of the Holy Spirit to save us, to heal us, to free us, and to form us to be more like Jesus. To be in the world but not be of the world. To be countercultural. To know what you gotta do in your job but you are there with a different spirit in your job. You're not just punching a clock. Everything that God gives you is worship. I'm here differently. So how I love and how I honor my boss and how I work this out and 
even how I fail is different because of what God is doing in a deeper place. And so today, if you wish to start or reaffirm your desire to enter through a narrow gate, to take off your sandals, to say, God, would you lead me in a countercultural way to be a countercultural minister in my family and with my friends and with whatever it is at school or whatever you give me to steward? then we have a step for you to take today. And that step is we want to anoint you as marketplace ministers with oil. But here's what I'd rather you do. I want you to first count the cost. Because I promise you, if you say, I want to get on a narrow road, your camel and all your stuff can't come. And I don't know what Jesus is going to ask you, but I promise you he's going to talk to you about something. Well, this is how it's always been in my family. Maybe God wants to use your life to do something that's never been done in your family, but it's going to mean some of your family junk can't come through anymore. And maybe if some of your family junk doesn't come through anymore, maybe just maybe your family will see the difference and go, I'm going through that gate too. You're not the hero, but you're needed. Holy Spirit, in this moment, would you bring conviction and repentance because to change a direction is to repent. And Father, we as the church of of your church, we confess that we settle for superficial difference. But Lord, we want to be countercultural. Father, we don't want to move from judgment, criticism, anger, backbiting, all things that are fleshly, and ask for a move of the Spirit. We want to see more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control in our lives. We need more of you, Holy Spirit. And so, Father, for some of us today, may it be a burning bush moment where you set us apart, you anoint, 